You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Take your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4 today, please. Matthew chapter number 4. Great thought. If it matters to you, it matters to Jesus. Absolutely. Matthew chapter number 4 in your Bibles, and uh, it's good to see. If you're a guest with us, boy, thank you so much for being our guest. On your way out, make sure you get that gift bag that we have for you. We've got some relatives in, Jonathan and Melanie Ray. Of course, Brother Jonathan's preached here a few times, and they're taking a cruise today. They're going out to somewhere. They're, they're taking a cruise with their kids, and uh, so they're with us today. We're so excited about that. Is that Brother Titus Rawl I see back there, looking clean-shaven, fresh out of boot camp? Am I right on that? For the Marines, God bless you, brother. It's good to see you, and I look forward to catching up with you. And then if, you've been in, if you have been in Gethsemane for about 100 years, you may remember the Osbournes, and uh, Brother Dennis Osborne is here today. Not, maybe not that long, but uh, Brother Osborne is ageless. He always looks the same every time I see him. And, uh, of course, they were mi- uh, members here for many years. And so I'm probably missing others. And if, you, if I haven't met you, I want to meet you in the lobby right after church, okay? So make sure you stick around. Matthew chapter 4, we're, we're, we just started a series on the parables of Christ, parables of Jesus. And, uh, and so we're going through that. And I'm kind of going through it Matthew through Luke. I'm not really doing chronological order. Um, I, 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 and, of course, last week was the first lesson. This is the first time we're jumping into a parable, but um, I'm kind of planning on going through it that way. And I'll be honest with you, last week I talked to you about some parables could be like minor parables, like there's some parables that are one verse in scripture, and then there are other times where it's just parabolic language. And so to be honest with you, I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I'm, I'm stretching this one a little bit, all right? I'm, but I think that the, the analogy that is used is so prevalent in, our, in Christianity that uh, I wanted to speak on it, and it's about being fishers of men. And uh, that's an analogy, which is, you know, kind of like a parable, and a uh, parable, earthly story, heavenly meaning, uh, it's a simile, it's an analogy sometimes, and so uh, we're looking at that today, and uh, the, the analogy is fishing for men. And I want to just be very, very, very clear right off the bat what the message is about. Because I don't want you, uh, we're going to look through, we're going to look at Matthew, Mark, John, then Luke. And uh, I don't want to be confusing with you because we're going to use the symbolism of fishing. When we're talking about that term today, we're referring to the, uh, the pursuing people with the gospel message. That's what we're talking about. We're going to fish for men. What does that mean? That means we're going to pursue people with the gospel message to try to show them how they could trust Christ as their Savior. They could be born again. They can go from being dead unto alive, from being uh, uh, on their way to hell to on their way to heaven, right? So that's the terminology we're using. Fishing for men is getting the gospel message to people to lead them to Christ. You know that already, but just in case you did not know, now you do, okay? So we're going to look at Matthew chapter number four, and I'm going to have you go, as I mentioned, we're going to go from Matthew, then really quickly to Mark, 
then quickly to John, then back to Luke. And that's all we're going to do as far as having you turn today is look at each of the Gospels. Then we're going to go through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. No, we're not going to do that. All right, we're going to stick with those four Gospels, okay? And just a reminder, we know that the parables are in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The synoptic Gospels are called that. They view things from a common viewpoint. John is a little bit different. So Matthew chapter 4, look if you would at verse number 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John, John the Baptist, was cast into prison... He departed into Galilee. Look at verse number 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, remember last week, he's going to get to a point in his ministry where he only uses parables when he's talking with people. But he's preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Verse 18. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren... Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets, jumped into the ocean, and no, that's not what they did. So we're going to have to look into this. And straightway they left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. Let's pray together. We're going to dive right in. Father, I pray you bless the message. I pray that, Lord, as we're going to look at some scripture and we're going to have a lengthy introduction, Lord, I pray that it would be clear and the message that you would have for us today would not be obstructed by me. I pray that people would see you today, hear from you, and that we would be challenged as we leave. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There are, there are these men that we're seeing here, of course, this is the call of, of Peter and Andrew and James and John, two sets of brothers there, and it's a, it's a very famous portion of scripture. I'm, I'm sure that 90 to 95% of you have heard this passage or know of this passage of the call of these men, and these, these men were, were about to leave the life that they had known, and they're going to launch out into a completely new path. I mean, they, they've known fishermen, they, they, they've known that they've known how to fish and now Jesus says you know what but now your life's going to be completely different you're not fishing for the fish you're now fishing for men which is a different kind of thing how many of you are fishermen nobody all right okay like three people okay so I forgot we're in we're in Long Beach all right so we, we don't have to fish right we have sushi everywhere so we don't have to do that we don't have to catch our own right uh, pokey bar and, and Cerritos catches mine for me you know what I'm saying but anyway but uh, uh, but I used to fish growing up it's a different thing what the uh, what Jesus is talking about than what they knew go if you would to mark chapter number one I want you to see the same story but we're gonna see some different angles, because that's what each gospel is presenting, is a bit of a different angle on some of these stories here. So uh, remember, these four men are seeing all of this from their own perspective, and of course, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they're writing these things down. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. Mark chapter 1, verse 16. And uh, so that's the next book right after Matthew there. Verse 16, now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, who is Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said to them, come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. 
When he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship mending their nets. And straightway he called them. They left their father, uh, Zebedee, in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. So they're out fishing. So they're out fishing, and Jesus says, come and follow me, and you'll be, you'll be my disciple, and, uh, and I'll make you become fishers of men. I feel like there's something missing. Like, if they're out fishing, they didn't just say, okay, and dive in, right? So they're, what's the missing story here? Okay, take your Bible, and, and this, uh, this is the same story. Go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. So these men would go on to see great things and do great things. They would fish for men. They would catch many men. And uh, we're st- still talking about what they did today. John chapter 1. I remember when I was in Sunday school growing up. How many of you remember like the flannel graph? You know what I'm talking about? The f- like, it's, it's like material. And they would take these little cutouts and stick it to it. Well, I just remember like in my little brain... And even to this day, I probably don't think I knew this like I know it now, that I always just thought Jesus was just walking by the sea, sees these two guys. Of course, he knew what he was going to do. He knew they were there. And he calls them, and they're like, okay. And they just follow him. Like, I, I just always pictured that. Almost like this was the first time they'd ever met the Messiah. This was the first time they'd ever heard Jesus, and they're like, yeah, let's follow him. Yeah, because he he says this statement, you follow me, I'll make you become fishers of men. I would think that would breed some questions. Well, what does that even mean? Things like that. But these guys just follow. Well, is there more to the story? Actually, yes, there is more to the story. And so there's some background here. This is not where Peter and Andrew met Jesus. They didn't meet him when he said, follow me. I'll make you become fishers of men. They met him before. Look at John chapter 1. Verse 35, again the next day after John the Baptist stood and two of his disciples and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, behold the Lamb of God. Now remember in the last passage we read or in Matthew, it said John was in prison when Jesus told them, follow me. Well, John's still walking around and it says here, and the two disciples, verse 37, heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and saw them following and saith unto him, what seek ye? They said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say being interpreted master or teacher, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, come and see. They came and saw where he dwelt and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Look what he does. Bless you. He first... I'm a personal pastor. All right, here we go. Verse 41. Let me run a tissue back. No, I'm kidding. All right. He first findeth his own brother, Simon Peter, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew's already fishing for men before he was called to. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. The day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, follow me. And he goes after Philip. Then he's got Andrew and Peter. Verse 45, Philip tells to Nathanael. So when we see that Jesus talking to uh, Peter and Andrew in Matthew chapter 4 and Mark chapter 1, 
they had already met, and Andrew had already said, we found the Messiah. But what were they doing? Jesus didn't call them right away. That was interesting. So, so get this. So Andrew tells Peter, uh, they, they hear Jesus, they follow Jesus. Andrew follows Christ, but it says first he went and got his brother, then he followed Christ. Philip and Nathaniel are following Christ. Now, now let me just help you with some chronology here, okay? After this, here's what happens in the story. Jesus goes to the marriage at Cana in Galilee, and he turns the water into wine, the first recorded miracle of Jesus. It says that after that, his disciples believed on him. So they, he had some disciples there. Now they're like, no, now we know. So Jesus had proven himself by his word, by who he was, but also by his works with what he did. So then after that, Jesus in the next chapter here cleanses the temple, which he did twice. Remember, he goes in there and overturns the money tables and, and chases people out because they were using it wrong. Then Jesus speaks with Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus coming to Jesus, the ruler, and Jesus speaks the most famous verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16. He speaks that to Nicodemus in the next chapter here. Then he goes to Galilee, and he's, he's baptizing with John, it says, and, and his disciples baptized. Then he goes to Galilee. Then he talks to the woman at the well in Samaria, John chapter 4. Remember that whole story? And he goes to someone, and you know, no, you've had five husbands, and she gets saved. She goes back and tells everybody. Then Jesus speaks to his disciples, and he gives that great uh, uh, lesson in John chapter 4 about the fields are white to harvest already. Then he goes back to Galilee. He heals the nobleman's son who was sick almost to the point of death. Then he goes to his hometown, Nazareth, and he's rejected of the people that know and love him, that knew him growing up. Then he goes to uh, Capernaum in Galilee. And when Jesus goes to Capernaum in Galilee, after all that whole history I just gave you, that is when he finds Simon and Andrew, James and John. That's interesting to me. He'd already done miracles. He had authenticated his word by what he did. So what's the rest of the story that we're missing? Now let's go to the other gospel that we missed. Go back a book to Luke chapter number five, okay? You've done well. You're almost through the introduction, okay? The introduction is the long part of the message. Luke chapter 5. So again, they've heard him. They, they've heard Jesus speak. Andrew had, was a disciple of John the Baptist, and he says, you know what? No, I, I think this is the Messiah. I'm going to go tell my brother. He brings Peter in, and they're hearing the Messiah speak. They're now disciples and Philip, Nathaniel, there's others. I don't know if they were all there for the, for the wedding feast where he turned the water into wine. We don't know where they were at for all those different things. But they knew Jesus. They knew he was the Messiah. They saw his works. They heard his teaching. So what are we missing? Look at chapter 5, verse 1 of the book of Luke. came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God... He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, I got to tell you, I would love it if people were just all the time coming up to me saying, Pastor, tell us the word of God. That would be great. Usually it's like, Pastor, when are you going to stop telling us the word of God? You know, so they're pressing upon Jesus. And uh, so Jesus is getting pressed probably into the water almost. He can't, you know, he's a normal man. He's not, you know, eight foot tall where he can talk to everybody. So he needs a place where people can see him. Look at verse two. And he saw two ships. Keep that in mind, two ships. Who did they belong to? 
One was Peter and Andrews, and the other was Zebedee's, where James and John were. Two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. So Jesus sees them fishing, apparently from a ways off, waits for them to come back, and either sees them or their servants, as it was mentioned in another passage, uh, uh, washing the nets. Verse 3, and he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, Peter's, and prayed him or asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. So now he's using Peter's boat as a pulpit. So, you know, I don't know how the acoustics would have been. They didn't have a mic system. I assume a natural amphitheater with the water up the hill there, up to the, uh, up to the you know, the lake there, or the, whatever it was, the lake of Gennesaret, going up a little bit. Maybe that was the, it had like a great effect. All I know is Jesus must have been speaking pretty loud. I mean, if he can speak and wake the dead, I think he can speak loud enough for people to hear him. So he was preaching and he's teaching people, sitting down out of the boat, and here's who's in the boat. We got Peter, we got Andrew. They're listening to him again. Verse 4, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. So after all that preaching, after, after all that work, he's saying, now I want you to go fishing. Look at verse 5. And Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night. We've worked, we've labored all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they, had, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and the net break. They beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees in the midst of a bunch of fish, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. How could I doubt you? For he was astonished, and all that were with him at the drought, which means the catch, the, of the fishes that they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of De Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. It said the partners were in the other ship. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ship to the land, then they forsook all and followed him. So in Matthew and Mark, we just get a snapshot of what happened. We have to compare the scripture with scripture, and now we're seeing in Luke, we're getting the bigger picture. Isn't that a better picture than just Jesus walking by? Hey, you two, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They're like cleaning their nets. All right. You know, and it's, uh, no, there's more to this story. Th this whole passage we just saw is what happened when Jesus called these men, which is an amazing thing to me. This call that they gave was after they just heard Jesus teach, after they already knew who he was as the Messiah, and now Jesus is saying, hey, you've been, uh, been fishing for these fish, and you've been catching nothing, and now I'm going to help you catch the fish, but now I've got a call upon your life to catch men. Now, here's the thing. Again, they knew Christ, but the call came later. And I wonder, you know, many of us, we've known Christ a long time. But there comes a point where God is calling you. And he's calling you to do what every Christian should do. We think the call is just a pastor. The call is just a youth pastor. The call is just to be a deacon. No, God is calling every Christian. 
And today, God has called you to do the same thing that he called these men to do. He's called you to fish for men. He's called you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. That's the call. And I want to talk about that call for a minute, that we are called to fish. And, and you know, just like anybody in the Bible, when, when we got saved, our life changed too. Our direction changed, our, our motives and, and appetites changed, and we're supposed to be disciples too. So the call to fish this morning is briefly three things. First of all, the call that he gave here is a call to sacrifice. Did you see that there in verse number four? It's a call to sacrifice. Look, if you would, at verse number four again. And when they left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Hey, get way out there and let down your nets for a drought, for a catch. Simon answered and said, hey, Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. We're tired. I know I feel so, so, uh, so bad sometimes for our people on Wednesday nights that they, they go to work all day. They've toiled all day. They drive into the Wednesday evening service and then they listen to preaching. God bless you. But Jesus was a better preacher than me, obviously. But they're toiling all night and then they're listening to Jesus teach the people. And now Jesus gets done teaching and says, go back out. We're tired. We're exhausted. It's a call to sacrifice. They were being told to sacrifice some convenience. We've got to clean our nets. We've got to, do this. We've got to take the, the fish. Well, they didn't have the fish yet. There was a call to sacrifice some professional pride. Uh, I think we know what we're doing. We're fishermen by trade. I think it was a call to sacrifice their time and effort. But it was a call to sacrifice some things. But look what they got out of it. They, they got all those fish, and then they get a greater calling upon their life by God, by Jesus Christ. You know, some people, and it bothers me, when some people talk about the great sacrifice they make to serve God. Not sacrificing anything to serve God. He made the sacrifice. He made the sacrifice on the cross. I'm not giving up anything worth losing to serve God. I gain because I serve God. If you compare what you give up to serve God with what you gain to serve God, boy, it's not even close. The scale breaks. You get a lot more serving God. David Livingston, famous missionary to Africa, walked 29,000 miles in his life to get the gospel to places where no one had seen before, no one had been outside of those people. And he said this, he said, people talk of the sacrifice I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. Can that be called a sacrifice, which is simply paid back as, part of a, as a small part of a great debt owing to our God, which we can never repay? I was such a great debt. This is not a sacrifice. I'm paying it back. He says, it is emphatically no sacrifice. Say rather, it is a privilege. I never made a sacrifice. Of this we ought not to talk when we remember the great sacrifice which he who uh, left his father's throne on high to give himself for us. Not a sacrifice to serve God. It's a privilege to serve God. It's not a sacrifice to serve God. It's something we get to do, not something we have to do. But the call to be a fisher of men does require sacrifice. It requires us to give up some things. Well, if we start fishing for men, pastor, people are going to think we're weird. Nobody in this day was fishing for men. They're fishing for fish. And so now, I mean, nobody in my office is talking about Christ. They're talking about sports. They're talking about uh, how the Buccaneers got beat last week. Uh, they're talking about the stinking Cowboys. America's team. Give me a break. I thought America was about winning. No, Cowboys. Ugh. 
My brother-in-law is a Cowboys fan, by the way. <laughs> How did I get off on that? I don't remember. Let's just close in prayer. I don't remember what I was going to say. But people at work, pastor, they don't talk about they don't talk about Christ. They talk about sports. They talk about work. They talk about tools. They talk about whatever it is. They talk about all these different things. I'm going to sound weird. Yeah, you know, you might. You might. It might require some sacrifice of that pride. It might require you to get out of the comfort zone and do something that not a lot of other people are doing. But if you're going to do something that's important, you may have to do something nobody else is doing. And it's, it's sometimes a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of our time. It takes time to stop and witness to somebody. It takes time to, 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 to plan soul winning and go out and tell people in our community about Christ. It takes time to, to write that letter and encouraging people, sending a tract to someone. It takes time to visit people. It takes time to serve in the homeless ministry. It takes time to serve in soul winning and other outreach ministries of our church. It does take time, and it does take effort, and especially in our day and age, hey, we're all tired all the time. So there is some sacrifice, but it is a high call upon your life that God is calling every one of you to do. And if God is calling, I mean, what greater person or, or project could you have calling you? It's a call of sacrifice. I want to say secondly, it's a call to submission. Let's look back at verses 4 and 5 here. It's, it's a call to submission. So, yeah, it, it may require your time and your effort and your sacrifice, and it may require you putting you know, your pride aside to, to witness and be vulnerable in that way, but it's also Jesus' call to these men is a call of submission. Look at verses 4 and 5. When he had left speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a drought. Simon answered said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and have taken nothing. Now, if it stopped there, it would have been bad. Maybe they would have missed the call. But the next phrase is key. Nevertheless, at thy word. Well, I know what I've seen all night. I know what I've faced. I know what I'm capable of. Nothing. But at your word, I will trust your word more than my human effort because I got nothing to show for it anyway. At your word, I'll let down the net. Don't you think he was glad he did? All right, Lord, you told me to. This ain't going to work, Andrew. Here we go. Let's just, you know, I mean, I wonder what was said there. But he let down the net. Jesus, after all of that, well, it was a call for them to submit to do things his way. The right way. And I wonder, Peter kneels down and says, depart from me, Lord, I'm such a sinful man. What was he saying? You were right. When's the last time you looked at God and said that? God, you, you're always right. You were right. I did it your way, and you were right. I didn't do it your way, and you were right about that too. It'd be make me miserable. God can use somebody that says, nevertheless, at thy word. I know how I feel, but God, nevertheless, what you say is more important. Jesus shows them this amazing miracle. So the, they, they submit to doing it God's way. He shows them this amazing miracle. And then, again, look at verse number 10. He says there, And so also was James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So he shows them this amazing miracle, and then he says, Now you're going to be catching men. Why did he do it that way? Well, I wonder if he said, now you're going to be catching men, and the, the thought would have went through my mind. 
How? You know, like I'm used to the, the bait, like the fish, you know. I'm used to that. How? Well, they just got a great example. Because Jesus could have said if he wanted to, well, how'd you just catch those fish? Well, we just did what you said. We let down the nets. I think that's it. How do I do it? How do you, how do you catch men? Well, you just do what God said. What do you say to do? Tell them about Christ. Well, what if I say the wrong thing? They're already going to hell. Share the gospel. Tell them. You're not going to become good at it just you wake up one night and it's like, oh, I have the power now. No, you, you have to just obey God. So Jesus showed them this great example of, hey, hey, you know, cast it on the other side. Okay, was it about the location? No. What he was saying, cast it over here, do it my way, and look what you'll get for it. For it. So the, the, the example there was just submit to doing it God's way. It's more about Christ than us. That's, what, that, that's the lesson there. It, did they, by the way, did they catch every fish? No, they didn't catch every fish. They caught a lot. They caught more than they ever could on their own. That's exactly true. How'd that happen? Because they did what the Lord said to do. They launched out. They went to the deep. They let down their net. They drew the net. Hey, submit to God. God can put upon your heart somebody and say, just go give that person a track. Just go ask that person how they're doing. And you go over there and you ask them how they're doing. I can't believe you asked me that today because there's something on my heart I got to tell you about. Why are you always happy? Why are you always, why don't you go, well, I know Christ. Well, how can I know Christ? You never know. Just submit to God. Just give it to him and say, Lord, I'll just do what you tell me to do. Do what he says. Well, I'm not a good fisherman. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you that. I read a story about a pilot who was a new pilot and he was flying on a cloudy day. And he wasn't very experienced, especially he wasn't experienced at instrumental landing. He had to land by sight, and he panicked because it was so cloudy. And the control tower got on the radio, and the guy with a strong voice got on there and said, you just obey the instructions. We'll take care of the obstructions. You just obey the instructions. We'll take care of the obstructions. Right? Sometimes, you know, we're worried about, well, what are they going to say? Well, what if they do this? Well, what if they don't like me giving them a try? Well, what if they don't like me in front of church? You just follow the instructions. God will take care of the obstructions. First thing I see when it comes to fishing for men, it's called a sacrifice. It's going to take some of your effort. It's going to take you swallowing some pride, and it is every time. It's going to take submission instead of saying, well, here's how I would do it. No, it's what does God want? And then lastly, it's a call to service. Call to service. These men knew Christ. I view the call in Matthew 4 when he, he said, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. Since they already knew him before, it was almost like they were on reserve duty. And now Jesus is like, you've been called up. You've been activated. You've got the call. Now you've got to follow. Now you've got to do what you're supposed to do. Here's the great part. Here is the great part about serving God and serving Jesus. And we see this here, is that those men were not in the ship alone. Jesus doesn't leave you to serve him alone. He actually serves with you. The Lord working with us, the end of Mark. You know, Jesus standing by us, the end of uh, first or second Timothy. Jesus was there. Jesus is with you in the boat. Jesus was with these men as he said, launch out into the deep. 
I'm going to be on shore. No, he was in the boat with them. You don't have to go alone. You don't have to think you're all by yourself. No, Jesus is there with them the whole time. Remember years ago, and I was a kid, and my dad would take me in Arkansas to this, uh, I think it was called a lock or something, and uh, it, it, you know, the, the, it was a river that came down and funneled into this big oval, round circular thing, and uh, we were just sitting on top of the bridge there fishing, and I was watching my dad had gone with him, and I was real young, and uh, I had been fishing enough with them to kind of know a little bit about fishing, and he said, all right, Eli, where, do you, where should we cast the, where should I cast my bait? And I looked over and I saw like a fallen log in the water over here. And I just said, cast it over there, Dad. Because I knew sometimes fish like to sleep under that, uh, you know, since I know so much about fish. Is it ichthyology? Is it like the study of fish or something weird, you know? And so uh, uh, he, he did. He cast it over there. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not lying. I've been lying this whole time, but not now. Okay? He, within seconds, was like, oh, that was a good call. And he reels it. I'm talking a bass that was like, was like, this, no, I'm just kidding, but it was a big one, it was, it was a big, big fish, it was the biggest fi fish I had seen, and uh, someone said there have been more fish caught than been in any river ever, you know, all these lies from fishermen tales, you know, we've we caught all these fish, but they're never in that many in the ocean or in the, in the river, but this was a real story, okay, and, uh, and he caught it and pulled it up, and I was like, man, that was great, you know, I just found the right location, you know, I just got lucky with that. Fishing for men is not about location. How do you know? There's fish everywhere. There's fish across the street. There's fish at your workplace. There's fish everywhere. There's fish in every restaurant in this city when you leave today. You know, there's fish everywhere you go. It's not about location. That's the great news. It's not about where you fish. It's about who you're fishing with. Not about where you're fishing. Who are you fishing with? Well, I'm not catching fish. It's the location. I think I've just been casting on the wrong side of the boat. Maybe you're just not fishing with the right person. Maybe Christ isn't being honored and lifted up and magnified and obeyed and followed and submitted to. Maybe that's the problem. Can I just remind you this? And I'm, I'm done in just a second. How many of these men, how many fish did these men catch without Christ? Zero. Without Christ in the boat, they caught zero. How many did they catch with Christ? All of them. <laughs> All the ones they caught, they caught with Christ. And you know what? That's exactly how many fish you're going to catch without Christ. Zero. So the question was, who was really bringing the fish to the net? Because they cast on this side. We got nothing. What about you guys over there? Oh, we got nothing. Jesus says, cast it on the other side. It's not too far away. Cast the net. And they're like, we can't. guys, get over here and help us. The net's breaking. It wasn't about the location. It was about Christ. Who was drawing the fish into the net? Jesus was drawing them. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. So Jesus is, the Holy Spirit's working on people. What do you got to do? You got to throw the net. You got to take up the net. Well, I, you know, why would people want to listen to me? They're listening to Christ. 
They're listening to the Holy Spirit. You're speaking on the outside saying, um, you know, here's how you can know to be saved. And the Holy Spirit's like, you know you need to be saved. You need to listen and you need to trust Christ as your Savior right now. And, and that's the Holy Spirit of God convicting people. So it's a call to sacrifice. It, it, being a fisher of men is going to take some of your time and effort. It's going to take some mental thought. It's going to take you sacrificing a little pride. It's going to take you submitting. It's a call to submission where you have to say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do it your way. Uh, when, when you move me, I'm going to move. When you say invite that person to church or give them a gospel track or talk to them, I'm going to do that. I'm going to listen to you because I want to serve with you. It's a call to service. And you don't have to serve alone. You get to serve with Jesus Christ. And he's the one drawing people. Well, pastor, I'm not catching any fish. What do I do? Well, learn how to fish. Well, working on getting uh, plans for three times this year, having soul winning training. But you can come out any time with us. Launch out. Just start going. Go fishing more often. I find that I catch more fish when I go more often. Use the right bait. Make much of Jesus Christ. Someone said the three rules for successful fishing, keep yourself out of sight, number one. Rule number two, keep yourself further out of sight. Rule number three, keep yourself still further out of sight. Because even your shadow upon the surface will ruin it. A shadow of ourself and our soul winning ruins it. It's got to be all Christ. Keep yourself out of sight. Serve Jesus. Put him first. Are you fishing for men? One last thought. The fish the disciples caught, this is just, this is just for those of you who like the, twi the play on words, the twist of things, but the fish the disciples caught would die when they brought them out of the water, right? They bring the fish out of the water, the water, the fish dies. But the fish that they were called to catch, the fishing for men, were already dead. And when they catch them, they're made alive. All these people, they're dead in trespasses and sins, and we have an opportunity to show them the way, the truth, and the life of Jesus Christ. Let's be fishers this week. Let's find somebody to tell about Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you've never trusted in Christ as your Savior, hey, he's fishing for you. He wants you. Father, thank you so much for today. Bless, I pray, each one of us this week that we would be fishers of men, that we would be witnesses. Yes, it may, 